and my mom wasn't um, an emotional person. So whenever I would hand over money was like when I would get the biggest hug or like mm. the pat on the back or like, you know, I, an, uh, an I love you or something. So I, it was easy for me to connect love and money. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm Eden. And I'm Jay. And welcome to Eden X Jay Unfiltered, the podcast where we have created a safe and sexy space to have unfiltered conversations. We might be the same sex, but we have different opinions. Ooh. Ooh sexy voice. I know. Serious topic, sexy voice. Serious topic. <laughs> what serious, sexy topic are we talking about today? Let's talk about money, baby. Uh-huh, money. <laughs> This is actually a question we've been getting a lot on our social. Yeah. Is about money, that brown dollar, that relationship with money, circulation of money. How do I talk to my partner about money? Investing money, relationships, all the above. So we've kind of decided to set aside a specific Money Talk podcast to discuss all of those things. And before we get into that Money Talk topic, we do have to remind you all, Go follow us on Instagram at EdenXJ and TikTok and YouTube and all the things because on this podcast, you can watch it on YouTube, which is so fun because you get to see all of these crazy, wacky facial expressions that we have on top of the podcast. But and you know, if that's not your thing too, keep listening. We are the Uber for your ears. Give us five <laughs> stars. <laughs> yes, leave, a five, leave us five stars on our podcast. We greatly appreciate that. Yes. But... The reason why we're talking about money today is that I feel like that's, that's exactly why we're wearing black clothes. I know it's a very dark, <laughs> it's a very dark depressing topic. topic. No, it's, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about money, and I think that's a stigma that we're trying to break mm-hmm. and being open to talking about money. And that talking about money can be fun, it can be relaxing, it can be sexy. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you how to get it there. Um, but you know, tax season is approaching us come April, so we figured let's have this conversation now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know everybody's thinking about money. Yeah, um, we're already a couple months. So I have a question year. for you. Yeah, what was your first introduction to money, like when you were a kid? Do you remember how your parents, how that was introduced to you? Um, my parents didn't really talk to me too much about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was aware that we didn't have a lot of money or as much money as somebody else. Um, when I would visit other friends' houses and saw the way that they lived and the things that they had. And then I started to realize that um, I didn't have, we, you know, we didn't have much. Uh, I, there's something very distinctive and I'll never forget it. It was um, a friend's house that I, I went to. And, the, you know, when a kid grows and sometimes they mark the height on the wall yeah. and they're like, this year they were this tall, this year that they were that tall. They had that all the way up till, you know, their age then. I think I was in junior high. And I realized I have no idea what that's like because I've moved one to two times every year. Right. And I've never stayed in a place that long. And I thought that was normal. And that that's what everybody did because that was my normal. And it's not normal like stability is actually the normal or should be the normal but I didn't have that um my mom worked you know a a job and she did her best to provide what she could I had 
I think six foster brothers and sisters um, at the time. And, you know, my mom was on food stamps and, um, you know, she was doing what she could uh, to keep to keep us going and to keep us in a good school and mm-hmm. good school district. But we didn't have much. And I remember seeing uh, eviction notices on the door so much that I was like desensitized to them. I would see a notice on the door and not even like blink an eye, I would just immediately grab a trash bag and start packing up my stuff because I knew that we had to leave and we were just moving again. And that was just normal for me. Mm. So I think my relationship with money was we didn't have much. Um, I shouldn't ask for much. And that if I wanted anything in life, like if I wanted the things my friends had or my friends' families had, I needed to go to school and go to college and get out of this small town um, if I wanted more in life. And that was kind of my first relationship with money. Yeah. What about you? Well, I think I had a similar situation. I didn't grow up. I grew up in, like, the hood in K-Town. And my mom was a single parent of three daughters. And she had two to three jobs throughout my entire life so even with two to three jobs and three kids we grew up in a one-bedroom apartment Mm. um I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom and my two sisters and my mom's boyfriends from the moment that I was born to my teen years when I moved out so we didn't have a lot of money but my mom had like this weird relationship with money where she would splurge on things a lot Mm-hmm. And I noticed she had a, kind of like an expensive taste but couldn't really afford it, if that makes sense. So there was a lot of like spending money on like shopping sprees and spending money on like certain things that we really didn't need. Interesting. Yeah. That's that my mom would do that too. Like we would have nice clothes, but yeah, there would but never then, be food exactly. in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, or like everything's just, I mean, a one you can only imagine like mm-hmm. a one-bedroom apartment with three kids yeah. and two adults. Like It was really cramped and there was no, I don't know, we rarely had anything really. Um, so I learned early on that I didn't have much. And I remember, I think my first realization that I was poor was when I was in middle school and I went to a friend's sleepover. Uh, Caitlin, she was like one of my best friends at the time and I went to her house and she lived in like this baller apartment with her mom and everything was lush and beautiful (laughs) and like her mom had like this nice fancy car and like I spent the weekend with her. My mom never let me sleep anywhere so it was like a a big Big deal deal. that she allowed (laughs) me to do this this one time but her mom took us to the CD store. We bought like Aqua's new CD. We like went to like eat pizza and we like did all these things like bowling and just her mom did not care she just swiped all day long and like did not care and Caitlin had like this awesome all these things that she could play with and that was her own room (laughs) yeah didn't have to share with anybody it was like her own space and I remember thinking damn like I I want that like how can I get that you know my own room I remember we had a think 12 people living in a two bedroom one bathroom house mm-hmm. at one point and like you have to imagine what it's like to share a bathroom with like 12 people oh that's wild yeah I still feel like I'm 
the fastest peer of all my friends <laughs> because you have to be quick. <laughs> but these yeah, are I like imagine. childhood dramas that I still deal with today. It's like I'm a record award fast peer. <laughs> um, but that's because I had to, to survive. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like I eat quickly because, you know, if there was nothing left by the time, you know, the second round for meals came then you just didn't eat you know and and things like that it was yeah. you know part of just survival and that was my childhood dynamic growing up but I think it's so fascinating that even though we have obviously different moms the way I think poverty worked back then and the way I our, think it still works that way oh definitely but like the, I think the way that our our moms thought they can like fake the funk was that if we go to Disneyland and yeah. if my kids dr- are dressed nice and if you know, forward presenting, it looks like everything's fine and that we're well off. Who cares what's behind the door? Yeah, you know? totally. Who cares if there's nothing in the fridge? Who cares if we don't know what we're having for dinner? And that's the thing. I remember, like, I went to Disneyland every year in my child, Like, my entire childhood, I went to Disneyland. I have pictures every single year. Mm-hmm. And that's expensive. Like, yeah. That must have cost an arm and a leg it at the time. It still is expensive. But they would have preferred <laughs> to spend it on that than to, like… Uh-huh. I don't know, save it <laughs> and yeah. try and get a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, or, but, but anyways, nor here nor there. But I think that was my first introduction to money. And mm-hmm. like I said, my mom would spend a lot of money and there was rarely any savings. So growing mm-hmm. up, I didn't really know what savings was. And that was like another topic, right? When you're like growing up and you're making money. Um, in my household, when you get your first job, like you're supposed to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in that kind of house where I had to take over a bill or bills or like partial rent because it's just what you do when you turn 16 and you get yeah. your first job, which I found out later on after meeting friends like that's not that's <laughs> not like normally what happens in other people's homes, you know, like there are friends who had parents who supported them and mm-hmm. taught them how to save and taught them how to do things early on. Uh, I want to touch on on that a bit more because I feel like within our culture and within the family dynamic, money and family tend to blend and mix yes. quite a bit because it's perceived that once you start working and once you start, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, contribute back into society and get a job that now you have to give back. Yeah to your parents and there's no cutoff there's no limit there's no end to this and I think money and love get blended quite a bit within our culture like I need to in order to show you how much I love you I need to give you money or at least that's how that relationship is you know that transaction feels like it works that way and I know we kind of talked a little bit about this with your dynamic with your mom and I know you've been open about it um, on our social media and, you know, talking about how love and money yeah. and, you know, that family dynamic was was kind of blurred for a while. I was very um, surprised and, you know, pleasantly surprised because when you opened up about that, you opened the floodgates for a lot of other people from different cultures, not just Hispanic, to also say like they had that similar experience with you. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I had to pay rent early on and like my mom would just tax me and my mom wasn't um, an emotional person. So whenever I would hand over money was like when I would get the biggest hug or like Mm. the pat on the back 
or like you know an uh an I love you or something. So I it was easy for me to connect love and money because that's how I was raised. That's what I would get, right? I'd get like a pat on the back if I gave my mom money. So so when I moved into relationships, it was kind of like this toxic trait that I had to unlearn or if I liked you, we were in a relationship, then I felt obligated to buy you things mm-hmm. because that's that's how I was raised. So it wasn't until I think right before I met you that I was starting to really reflect on like my my relationship with money and family. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your relationship with your family is only built off of money? Yeah, I think it was for mm-hmm. sure. And I think that's part of the reason why we don't talk because I essentially cut them off and mm-hmm. they view me as like, you know, the family member that doesn't contribute or doesn't help out. Um, and I view them as toxic because they only want to talk to me if I give them a paycheck mm-hmm. or, you know, a handout. And yeah, it's just like kind of backwards and toxic. I think how do we you know how do we tell the difference in you know supporting your family and you know genuinely wanting to help out and then it being expected of you Mm. I think those are two different dynamics there's nothing wrong with helping your family if that's something that you truly want to do but I think that has to be your choice well that's the thing I think it's a choice right like Mm -hmm. if it's it's not an obligation and it feels like a choice then great I don't think that's toxic but when your family's literally asking you for money and they won't like their emotions change based off of how much you give them that that's pretty toxic. The way I I feel like this is so wrong and so backwards for a lot of cultures is that parents feel like once their kids stop starts working and they start making money that they are entitled to that money and it's because I put food on the table for you know 18 years and I provided for you and I took care of you and I did all those things the child never asked to be born I mean that's facts (laughs) so that is your choice to have that child and your responsibility as a parent to take care of said child because again choices if that's not that choice wasn't for you, then don't go through that and abort mission. Like that is how that dynamic would work. But if you're choosing to have a child, then that child is its own person, and not giving birth to a, a you know, what you're thinking is going to be a future paycheck or a, mm. a, an income stream. You know, once they get older, and that you're obligated, that you're and sorry, not obligated, you're entitled to right. that. Is so is just not a. A good way of thinking and I don't feel like that's a healthy dynamic within a relationship because it's just built off of money and it's built off of finances and how much you love a person shouldn't be how much are you giving me how much money am I getting out yeah. of you this month and if it's a large amount I'm gonna give you like a bigger hug or I'm gonna play on your heartstrings and then when I need more money again I'm gonna go cold and take that love away until right. you give me more and it's just such a very toxic dynamic because then not only are you blurred with your family dynamic but then that trickles over into your relationships it trickles over into your friendships yeah that part and it can be a very dangerous and dicey cycle of of how you view money and how you spend it and Mm -hmm. how you save it and it's it's kind of like people pleasing 
but with money. And it's a little bit dangerous in that sense. It can like, be, yeah. Let and me I make think you happy. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like it kind of all plays together, right? Like I was in a, a string of toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of money on all of those toxic relationships. <laughs> so it was like not having an example of like what a healthy relationship mm-hmm. looked like and then not having boundaries on like what makes sense mm-hmm. when it comes to finances and uh, being in a relationship. So money and relationships, right? Yeah. And I don't want people to think like we had it perfect That's right from not where we at met. All. That is not true. And let me just tell you how untrue that <laughs> statement is in it's that gift giving is a part of our love languages. Yes. It's a part of both of our love languages. So that can be a little bit dicey sometimes too. It was very dicey in the beginning. In the beginning, we just, we still felt, you know, head over heels in, you know, for each other so quickly. And we just wanted to show each other that. And how else do we show each other with that? With like gifts and trips mm-hmm. and you and I are very competitive. Mm-hmm. So then we By just <laughs> kept trying to like one up each other with these date nights and these gifts. And it was it was to the point where I think um, we just kind of started putting our relationship on online and people would be like, oh, look what Jay did. Oh, I wonder what Eden's going to do. Okay, now Eden did this. What's Jay going to do? And, the, and then they kind of mm-hmm. saw and got involved with the dynamic because we, that gift giving is just what we do. And then we had to have a conversation and it's not that fun conversation to initially have where you're like, okay, we were all gas, no brakes. <laughs> if we're going to make it out alive and like and with money in the bank food <laughs> next month, let's pump the brakes. Yeah. And there's, it was interesting because I think I brought up the conversation and then you were like, okay, thank God. Like, <laughs> I don't like, think you my want bank account did not continue. <laughs> my bank account can't continue this. Like, what do I do? I break up with her rather than tell her, like, I can't afford this relationship. No, like, we, we're adults, and mm-hmm. I think we were never taught to have these conversations about money. And the way I, I think I introduced it or I proposed it by opening the conversation it is I love you so much, and I love our dynamic, and I know gift giving is a part of our love language. But what I want to talk about is what is going to be our preparation for Mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about budgeting because I don't want to take away, you know, gift giving because that's just who who we are. Mm -hmm. Let's just put some boundaries. Let's put some ground rules on here. Like can't go over this amount or one, one year we did no gifts and we had to get a little creative with that. And because we had a bigger financial goal and, Let's work on this together uh, as a partnership. And yeah. it was really nice to hear that you were on board too and feeling yeah, the same well, this thing. Was, and this was also like the first year in our relationship. So not even, I think it was like six months in or something, yeah, six, six, eight months. months. And I We had blew never, through a lot of money in six months. We so. did. <laughs> oh my we did. God. It was insane. And I think that like I had never, before you, I had never really had like a financial conversation with my partner. Oh. And that was like an eye opener yeah. because I never felt safe enough to really be honest and open about finances and, mm-hmm. and long-term goals. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to have that conversation early on to set like the foundation, right? Like we both love each other and we're going to get each other gifts. But if we, you know, have to budget doesn't mean that we love each other less. Because yes. again, I had this weird relationship with like love and money. Mm-hmm. So that was 
something that we had to adjust, but yeah. it was really cool. And then I remember you would do little things. Like mm -hmm. I I'm a sucker for home goods. I am obsessed <laughs> with home goods. She got banned from home goods <laughs> after like <laughs> after a couple of trips where I, you came home with like random tchotchkes and stuff that we didn't I came need. home with a chicken. Yes, a chicken. You came home with a chicken and uh, I was like why? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh but i yeah i love i love home goods and i'm a sucker for like a good chair or like a desk or something that i do not need no and it was a telescope that yeah, we telescope, didn't need and, right. a, and a canoe i wanted the canoe a canoe that you wanted to hang above a dining table that we also didn't have but home but goods had a dining if I table had the canoe, then i can get the dining table but anyways that's not here nor there <laughs> But the point is, I had this addiction with home goods, and you were so cute, and you sat me down, and you're like, okay, like, mm -hmm. we're going to do home goods a little differently. So the next time we went to home goods, you were like, okay, you can fill the cart up as much as you want. Like, do your thing. But then once it's filled and we go to the checkout line, we have to go through all the items to see what you actually need versus what you want. Mm-hmm. And even though I wasn't a fan of this exercise in the beginning, <laughs> it did teach me a lot about, yeah. you know, impulse buying. Yes. Which I'm, I do all the time. Or I did. In, in couples a lot better now. therapy, I, I was really listening to you when you were talking about how you, you're an emotional spender. Yeah. You spend when you're happy. You spend when you're sad. You're like, oh, I'm feeling down. I want to go buy something. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to go to Home Goods. Mm -hmm. Um, we just had something exciting happen. Let's go to Home Goods. So whether it's a good or or a bad emotion, it's still emotional spending. And humans have a lot of emotions, which equals a lot of spending. <laughs> and so and I'm a Pisces, so add extra emotions. And what we worked on in couples therapy, and what I've understand with you, is that emotions and talking about your emotions are really hard. Mm -hmm. And so however you express your emotion, even if it's different than me because I like to talk about my emotions, you, you know, kind of just experience them in a different way. And that's through shopping sometimes. And I don't want to take that away from you. I don't want to take away that emotion um, and that feeling. So let's go to Home Goods. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's get you that cart. And I want you to fill it. Because that's what you need right now. That's what you need in the moment. You need a, you need. It's gonna help you feel that emotion, and you get that car and you push it aisle by aisle, and you put in your little telescope, which is not very little. It's big. I think there's <laughs> at one point we had two carts. You put in, you know, this random lamp and this desk and this mm -hmm. neon sign and all of these different things, and you fill the car, and we're going aisle by aisle, and I'm just letting you do your thing. I'm not stopping you. I'm not saying no letting you fill the cart and then we get to the end right and we get to the aisle mm -hmm. and we start going through these things and we have these like honest conversations it, it is safe space you know and i'm pulling up this telescope and i'm like do you want this or do you need it mm -hmm. and then you have to really answer that question for yourself honestly honestly and you're like well Define need because we could really look at the stars and it could be a really cool date night and I can just see us and it can go great in the living room and like and it would be nice next to the boat and all of these different things. Correct. I see the vision. Do we need it? And you really start, I think, seeing your wheels turn mm -hmm. and you realize how much 
things you're putting into the cart to feel to fill something that's mm-hmm. empty and none of these things are going to fill it. And then you start to realize, you know what? We actually just need a cutting board because <laughs> we have no cutting boards anymore. And then sometimes like if it's within budget and it's within reason, like if I'm I'm very proud of you for going through all of these things and there should be a reward system. If whatever's in the car is successfully all that we need, mm-hmm. you can get one thing that you want. And it just so happened to be the chicken at that time. It was like some black chicken that you really <laughs> wanted. It goes nowhere in the house, I think, aesthetically wise, but you really wanted it. And it made you happy. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like $15. And if that's the cost of your happiness, then let's add it to the cart because you did a really good job. And it's not every time, but I definitely feel like you should have these this balance. Yeah. You should fill these emotions. And filling the cart is definitely a, a tactic that we used for yeah. your emotional spending. I mean, that was a great financial tool that I think worked for us in the beginning and really like changed my mindset uh, to what need versus want Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really important thing to learn when it comes to money and a relationship what are some other financial tools that you think helped us I really love that um uh sorry not even to just like segue off of that I I just wanted to commend you for for just I think growing in this instance because now like I trust you to go to Home Goods, and I don't need to be there. Like I don't need to, I don't need to wonder if she's gonna come back <laughs> with, <laughs> with a bunch of, a bunch of with a telescope and a that canoe. we that we don't need. And I think you've kind of grown and you've understood that. And now you you're also invested in our finances. Yeah. Um. And I think that kind of segues into your question. Like, what are some other things that we've we've learned on our finance journey and our relationship that have really helped? And those are our finance dates. Yeah. Like we meet every other week to talk about our budget and our spending and, you know, what is our goal? Like what are our big ticket items that we have coming up? What are our plans for the future? And, you know, what are our business, you know, models and business um, ventures that we want to mm-hmm. invest in and push forward because – we definitely believe in not having just one streamline of income and having multiple different, you know, streams of income because if the pandemic has taught us anything, do not put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous and it's very scary and we just want to learn from that time. And these dates keep us in, in check and they keep yeah. us like on, on track. And I think we need to have them every other week because our life and our dynamic is so busy. We have to just constantly reel each other back in and that's okay. Yeah. And I think with the money dates, it was really scary at the beginning because I never had a money date with my partner. But I think that there was like cool things that make it easier to have money dates. And if you're like trying to figure out how you can have the conversation of money with your partner, I think having an actual date night Mm -hmm. where there's like snacks that you can snack on, maybe a bottle of wine, maybe some drinks, just kind of setting the mood so it's not this like scary monster in the corner that yeah. you have to like attack, you know, deal with with your partner and just making it light yeah. because it's already going to be like an uncomfortable. It's like a fully transparent conversation yeah. about money, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times we feel some sort of guilt or like yeah. a shame or something because it it's almost like someone pulling the covers off of the 
the bed, right? And every, you're naked. And you're naked. And you're like, <laughs> ah, you got to see everything. I'm exposed. <laughs> I spent too much money at Starbucks. My bank account Sorry. is exposed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now it's like once you do them so often, then you're like, okay, pull the covers off. It is what it is. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> now it's just like, I'm good. I'm naked. Let's go. I'm good. Like, And we, we kind of hold ourselves accountable. And it it's going to be tough. You know, whenever you're doing money talks, it is going to be tough mm-hmm. because now you're talking about, okay, this is where we're at and it's okay to not be there and not be 100% perfect with it because it, I think what I think about it is like working out, right? Mm-hmm. Like the more you do it and the more practice you get, the right. more muscles you build and the fitter you are, kind of the same way as your bank account. But every so often when you have a cheat day and when you fall off the wagon it's okay. Just go back to the gym. Just get back out there. Get back on your routine and just keep moving and keep moving forward versus just giving up altogether because yeah. you didn't get it right the first try or it was hard. Well, yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, pulling back on your spending and, and getting within budget isn't yeah. easy. You realize, you know, how much do you actually eat out? You realize how expensive things are. When you go to a restaurant, you realize how much things add up when you're buying coffee every mm-hmm. single day. And all of those things you have to go and you think the same way as filling the cart, right? Do I want it or do I need it? Yeah. And I think a lot of the things that you think that you need, you actually don't. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest lesson we've learned with building a relationship, a, you know, healthy relationship with money and a partnership within each other and being transparent about it. We're very transparent about our money. We have different accounts because we have different goals. And it's, That's another good tool, though. Yeah. I think halfway through a relationship, we realized if we had like five different checking accounts, and that might be excessive for a lot of you, but for us, it made sense, right? We need one checking account for our mortgage that we put in every mm-hmm. month, and we know that, that there will always be the full mortgage in that account. Yeah. There's another account that we use for our bills just to throw money in there for our gas, electric, Wi-Fi, all that good stuff. So we know there's a certain amount that needs to be in that account. And if there's ever a a, – because you should know exactly how much is in that account, like, for those bills every month. If there's ever a time where it goes negative because you put that exact amount in, then you know you were built for something that you shouldn't have been built for or something has changed. So it definitely keeps you on it and it keeps you, like, hyper aware of your bills. And that keeps us in check and hyper aware yeah. of our utility bills and keeping that separate. And then having a save, an actual savings yeah. account. Um, and then having uh, another separate account for our actual spending. Yeah. So the things that we need to for the household expenses, um, grocery expenses, and all of our like livable expenses, there should be an allotted budget in there as well. Yeah. And, and then we have got a goals mm-hmm. account, which is just like um, these big trips that we take yearly. Mm-hmm. We're big travelers. We love to travel. Like we're about to leave or yeah, we're about to go to <laughs> yeah to Australia and Bali. So that is like its own separate account. Oh my gosh. That, I mean, our travel account <laughs> is, <laughs> we have to work really hard for mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> but it's important to us. Like yeah. traveling and, and making memories and people might see that as not the best way to spend your money, but that's just our thing that we love and that we, you know, continue to keep investing in because we I think we grow as people 
mm-hmm. and we we grow as a couple and I think it's it's healthy for our dynamic to have these adventures because mm-hmm. they're important to us and you should have a like a reward system that you know doing all this hard work is going to pay off mm-hmm. right you have something to look forward to a light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> if you will um to keep you motivated to stay on track to keep doing the hard stuff to you know, not go out with and eat with my friends all the time and to stay home and cook, you know. And we've we've really started to figure out different dynamics to help us save. Yeah. And one of the ones that we did is, you know, we used to love going out to eat with our friends all mm-hmm. the time and going to dinners and all that stuff. But then we were like, okay, we don't want to cut that out completely because we do love seeing our friends. Why don't we start cooking for them? Like yeah, we're already hosting is a lot dinner. cheaper than going out to dinner. It's a lot cheaper than going out for dinner. And then there are times where we don't, you know, cook everything by ourselves. Like we cook the main piece and then our friends bring a side, a salad, a dessert. Drinks. Drinks. And then it's just kind of this communal thing. And we didn't end up spending mm-hmm. very much at all. And we still get to hang out with our friends and getting kind of creative in, in those ways. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> I think all of those things help. One last tip. I think when it comes to debt, debt can be a little crushing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So the way that Eden and I, and we still do this now, we have a couple of credit cards that we're trying to bring down um, before the baby gets here that we're just working away at. But I think it's important to celebrate those wins, even yeah. if it's just like a quarter of it is paid down or 50% of it is paid down. Whatever that milestone is, can be celebrated and there are different ways that you can do that Uh, one can be buying like a really nice bottle of wine that you can pop like once you hit (laughs) that goal or you can plan a date night or something that you've been wanting to do with your partner as like a reward for crushing that debt yeah and I think that's really important too to constantly celebrate the little wins so then it doesn't feel like this overbearing thing that you have to do together what we uh, what we have is we have like a pay off plan mm-hmm. by like a specific date yeah. um, for our like our last credit card. And we have it on a giant whiteboard like in our bedroom. Yeah. So we physically see it and it, it has each number that it needs to be every month in order to reach that goal at the end of it and have it paid off by mm-hmm. this time. And when we see that number every single day and we get to like put that red line across it because we like hit that goal and we're getting lower and lower and lower it's just you know you see it every day you're staying on track I think making these things visible and not having them be you know out of sight out of mind because I think that's how they start to consume you right is that you're not thinking about it you're just letting them exist and making them a part of your life like no it doesn't need to be like taking reins and taking control over your debt and your credit card debt your student loan debt all the debts um and having them be visible and not be ashamed of it and just being like this is my goal this is my track like like you would track anything back to fitness or working out you're counting your calories it's like you're you're holding yourself accountable for these things yeah debt and money should be the exact same way it shouldn't be this shameful thing like people are like i think people have like debt and I don't know, like STDs, like in the same category. Like you just don't <laughs> talk about them. You know, people have it, but then you just don't talk about it's it. True. It's, <laughs> it's true. Not, it's not taboo. It's just a part of Yo, life. Y'all, we have debt. <laughs> <laughs> we do. I mean, I. Th- but that was something that we yeah. talked to people about when we bought the house is that you accrue so many expenses that you were not 
planning for. It's not like, here's the final check. Like, take all the money out of my bank account and that is it. There is something that happens every month yeah. that you have to fix. And it's always like $1,000 or more. It's like the baseline for this is $1,000 that needs to get fixed. The gas line goes out. The electricity needs to be fixed. This Plumbing. needs to be repair. Oh, my God. The roof is $10,000, you know, and that's a deal. It's all of those things combined, which people don't talk about. And mm. on top of it, we're doing IVF. And we've been very open and honest about it. And it was more expensive than we anticipated it to be. And the only way that we could make this happen, even though we weren't excited about it, was adding some things onto credit cards. Yeah. And this was the debt and this was the financial decision that we you know, chose and that we made for ourselves because this was important to us. And, you know, we burned through the cash reserve that we had for IVF and our backup option was the credit card. And we're just still, you know, paying away at it and, you know, we're going to get it paid off. We have our goal, but that was a real outcome of trying to, not trying, doing IVF. Yeah. Um, And, you know, but these are honest conversations we had. We were like, what is the max? Like, where is our financial breaking point where... Mm -hmm you know, we can still get above this versus being underneath it for the next like three or four years. Yes. And we have that number. We didn't reach it. Thank goodness, because baby cakes over here had <laughs> great eggs and great embryos <laughs> on the second try. So we didn't need to do it a third time, but it was expensive. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it. Babies are expensive and they're not even here. So if you're <laughs> listening to this and you haven't had the money talk with your partner, I hope you can use these tools. To really start the conversation and mm -hmm. not let money control you and yeah. do it, the you know, have it the other way around. I think there's just like one last question. Um, I get asked quite a bit. Uh, I shared that story about how I was able to uh, double my salary in like three months. Mm -hmm. And it was because when I made <laughs> She has expensive taste. <laughs> and I was not making that much money. <laughs> I was making, I think, like less than 60000 a year at the job I was at. And I was working at a major motion picture company. But again, some of these bigger companies, they have a big name. And so they use it to their advantage. Right. And they pay practically nothing. And I didn't need much. I was like by myself, living by myself. I was okay with my saving a little bit here and there and then just living day by day um and it wasn't until I met you really that I was like okay we're gonna I'm gonna marry this girl I want to have kids with her I want to do all these things I want to travel uh, I have a really decent savings account but I definitely need more <laughs> and I want to make more because I want to be a provider and it was kind of that like light and like motivation that I needed um to really push myself and I started to see skill sets as add-ons and as charges right so I was thinking like if I learn this skill set like analytics and SEO I can add this much onto my salary mm -hmm. like realistically once I learn that skill and add it to my resume and so I started to teach myself and learn different skills I learned about SEO I learned about analytics I do digital marketing in, in social media and um, I started to train myself in these different skills, learning about websites and, and design and everything and editing and 
I got all those skills. I put a price on every single one. And then I added it to my base knowledge of what I already do. And then I just knew what my base pay should have been. So it's about like around the 100,000 figure. And when I was leaving that job and I added all these skills to my resume and like learned all these things, I started to look for these jobs and I asked for this amount and I was making 60,000. I got a job that paid six figures and that was, you know, within three months. And it was because I learned these different skills that were worth this much. And I knew what to ask for when I accepted this role. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these digital marketing roles and roles in general, doesn't even have to be digital marketing. They'll ask you to do multiple jobs, right? You're a producer and an editor and a social media strategist and a planner. And you're all of these things, right? But they want to pay you for one title. Make sure you're asking for what it's worth to do all of these different jobs and all of these different hats. And I made sure that if I had these different skills, then I was going to ask for these things. And then when I left that job and I went for another, you know, job that I made even more money than, than I think I was making around like 120 at the time, I added a couple skills to my belt as well. And I just added those charges onto my resume about how much my skill set and my time and my knowledge is worth. And you just keep going and growing and adding skills and adding those charges and knowing your worth and looking for jobs to obviously see that value. And you just keep moving and you keep growing. Grow your skills, grow your job, grow your bank account. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. That was like a long winded way to say like <laughs> you just learn your skills and know your worth. Yeah. And add tax. There you go. So I hope that that helps. I, I get that question a lot. They're like, whoa, you made 60K and then you all then you made 120K in a very short amount of time. Well, I just finally started charging the correct amount for what my skills were worth. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with taking ownership of that and knowing your worth. I think we forget. We let other people define how much we should make and how much they think we're worth versus knowing what that number is ourselves and asking for that and proving that and proving it time and time again with how successful your work is and your resume is. And then just keep moving on. If a job doesn't feel right, they have no problem with dropping you. You should feel the same way. I think that's like its own podcast talking about work and <laughs> work money. And toxic work environments. Yeah. <laughs> work and money. So this is just our, our our way and our balance, but it all kind of started with you, right? It's like having um, a motivation and a, you know, it, you want to be able to have something to work towards. And I wanted to work towards having a family and a, and a relationship and a dynamic where I can be a provider not only for myself but for my partner as well and that was my motivation and it keeps me motivated every day and my new motivation after the pandemic was to not have all my eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. and so that's That's really important wake up every day even when I'm tired (laughs) even when it's you know we've only slept for four hours but the grind still continues um because now my new motivation is to have a family where I'm I'm home more and I'm not working all the time and I don't want to be I want to miss out on everything. So that's my goal to, to get there. Aww. Here's my awe button. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> We're getting so good Aww. at this. 
I love it. Oh, I love you. Well, that was a great conversation. It was a good money date. Yeah. I feel like this was like a pre-money date for our money it date is. this week. <laughs> I hope you all learned something today, and I hope you take this to your partners, and we all have open, transparent conversations about money because it's very much needed. And thank you again for listening to our podcast, Eden XJ Unfiltered. If you like what you're hearing, give us five stars. Please. Please. <laughs> and then follow us on social media. Yeah, follow us on social media. Follow Pusios and I. Follow Eden XJ. And yeah, thank, thank you, you for listening. Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting all of our adventures. We will see, see you, you next week. week. Bye. Bye.